the Good Fight Radio Show. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are live. And yes, you can probably tell we are in a different, I guess you could say studio, Joe, because um, we have set up studio here in New York with our brother, uh, Keith Von Eif, and his, at his electrical uh, company, uh, Platinum Electric here in Southhold. So we're excited to be with you today, excited to share this live stream with you. As we get people on here, we want to let you guys know we're going to be talking about a really important topic, and a lot of that is us giving you guys a very micro, a, a very small amount of the information we're going to be sharing over the next couple of days here in New York. But I want to welcome you guys who are on this live stream. Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, this special New York edition of the Good Fight Radio Show. So I'm Chad Davidson, and this is Pastor Joe Schimmel, and we're excited to be with you. Amen. This is awesome. It's a different environment. Uh, this We're visiting Keith, and uh, as uh, Chad mentioned, and Mary Von Eif. And man, Chad, have you been in that bathroom, bro? Yeah, it's nice. It's like there's more Bible information and books or tracks in that bathroom than most Bible book, than many Bible bookstores. I'll say that at least today. You know? I'd say most. Yeah, most probably. <laughs> I'm like, you go into his office, it's the same, man. And right here, there's like a, there's like what 20, 15 different tracks right there, on this big. It's like this is really awesome, and they're they're putting us up, and they just love truth. Uh, we love uh, Keith and Mary, and we're doing a conference out here, and we're going to be exposing the NAR movement and so forth, which uh, some of you've been hearing that about this conference, and if you haven't, we're just excited about it but of course since we're doing a live show we want to talk about what we're we're going to be exposing a little bit and uh, we'll be a kind of a science seem like all over the place but if you follow hopefully you'll hopefully learn a lot or at least be encouraged and challenged to fight the good fight against this false satanic eschatological deception that we're exposing Chad. amen and if you guys see me you we're not we don't have uh, multiple cameras set up here today so if you see me i'll be looking at the comments because one of the things is we're going to be sharing as joe mentioned uh, specifically about the NAR movement, new, the New Apostolic Reformation, the Seven Mountain Mandate, and how witchcraft has actually crept its way into the church. And you can see even from the image that we, we put out, just some of the players, but know that this is something way, way more, I guess way deeper in terms of how how much their tentacles has gone out into the world. And so we're going to be discussing that. But we would love if you guys wanted to have some questions. I have my phone here in front of me. Uh, and I'd love to maybe collect some that we can hopefully uh, answer for you uh, as well as we dig into it. But, but Joe, I, I think you know we're getting a nice little audience here now that's joining us. And thank you guys. I know that for those back on the West Coast where we're from, it's kind of typically still time for work for most of you. Uh, it's about 2 p.m. out there. So uh, out here uh, in New York, it's 5 o'clock. So we're right at the time that most people will be getting off work, if you're a banker, I guess. And uh, we're, we're just excited to be with you guys. And we do want to tell you guys about the conference before we dig into some of the other stuff. Because if you are on the East Coast, you do still have time. 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, we have this up. I will, while Joe is talking, I will be getting, if you're wondering, maybe you're on live, you're wondering, oh, they're saying I need to hold it up more. Oh, I got the flyer, but I, I'm going to put the link for this flyer that's here that it's going to be hard to see on the live stream. But well, what I'll do is I'll put the link in the live chat and then also in the comments on this video. So if you're somebody on the East Coast, 
you know, hey, maybe I'm just a couple hours away or something. You know, we don't always make it to the East Coast, but we are here right now. And we do have a, still an opportunity for you to come on Saturday for the conference. That's just tomorrow, starting at 9 a.m. Joe's going to be speaking on the Seven Mountain Deception. Um, then at 1130, I'll be sharing about the Catholic NAR uh, connection. And then that night, Joe is going to talk about witchcraft in the church. So if you still have time to make it out this way, we'd love to have you guys here. I'd love to get to meet you guys. And don't forget Sunday morning. And of course, uh, Sunday morning as well, we have uh, Joe will be giving a talk on Calvinism. So this is, it's an exciting thing that we're doing. We're really excited to be not, with not, you guys. Not for Calvinism. <laughs> right, right. And uh, we're really excited to be with everyone that's out here. And Joe, I, I guess I'm going to hand this off a little bit as I can try to get some links out to the people waiting here uh, online. But but Joe, we, we got a number of different players and there was four different people that we talked about uh, or that we posted about in the image uh, for this show. And that would be, some of you are like, wait, where, who are these guys? Some of you guys were, hey, I know exactly who those guys are. Some are like, I used to be involved in this movement. Mm. Pretty, pretty crazy. But if you look at the image, it's C. Peter Wagner, it's Rodney Howard Brown, it's Kenneth Copeland, and it's Rick Joyner. Those are the four heads right there. Not that they're the four horsemen or anything like that. See, Peter Wagner's not even with us anymore. But um, it's it's one of those things. This is this is important. And I think, you know, whichever you want to start on before I, I send out, um, you know, some links to descriptions here, you know, whichever you want to start on, if you want to let them know a little bit, yeah. we'll dig into the scriptures as well. Yeah, amen. Uh, probably it'd be good to deal with the head of the snake here. And we're talking about the new apostolic reformation and the seven mountain mandate and you know, what all is that? And uh, basically, when we're dealing with the head of the snake, so to speak, would be C. Peter Wagner. Uh, he's considered like the chief apostle of the movement, uh, the movement being a so-called new apostolic reformation, even though uh, and we are not cessationists. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, we pray uh, for God to we anoint with oil. We believe in laying of hands. We pray uh, just as we, we obey the commands of Scripture in regard to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Scriptures say don't forbid tongues. We don't. The Bible says quench not the Spirit. We don't. Paul says not to despise prophesying. We don't. We, uh, we obey the scripture. We anoint with oil. I know a lot of cessations won't even anoint with oil. We don't see any scriptures that prohibit those things, but, but there's scriptures that warn against prohibiting those things. But at the same time, we actually test everything because the Bible says do everything decently and in order. And we also, it says uh, the church at, uh, in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus addresses that church and he commends him because he says, uh, they, he commends them for testing those who claim to be apostles, but were not, and you have found them liars. Uh, so uh, right now we have the new apostolic reformation. These are guys claiming to be apostles. And some of these guys are saying they're greater than the apostles of old. And the interesting thing there is when you look at the so-called uh, gift of apostleship, the Bible speaks, speaks specifically of 12 apostles and one born out of due time. The scriptures also lose, lose, use the term uh, of more of one who was sent out, not in the context of the 12, uh, that is, and, and, and then, of course, Paul, but in the context of those who are sent on missions and sent to establish churches and so forth, which no one would say those were the 12 apostles. They were called with a special call. They started churches for sure, but they were leaders, the ultimate leaders of the church under Jesus, right? Well, these guys claim to be like the 12 apostles, and uh, but Paul says, do I not have the signs of an apostle? And uh, and he says, I'm the apostle born out of due time. Like, you know, what, what's taking place there? To be one of the apostles on that kind of level, 
uh, you had to pass a certain test, Chad, and that test was uh, that you had to have been since John the Baptist, uh, you know, uh, John the Baptist, basically since uh, his ministry, you had to witness the resurrection of the, the resurrected Christ. And that's how you could actually fulfill Judas's spot after he had died. That's in the early chapters of Acts, of course. And what's fascinating about this whole thing, when you look at that, uh, nobody could be an apostle like that anymore. Paul was the one that was born out of due time, but he said, do I not have the sign of an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus? Because Jesus appeared to him personally. So there's nobody like that. In fact, when you look at today, when you look at the uh, New Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth, you'll see the names of the 12 apostles, not the 100, you know, you know, 3,000 apostles or 150 apostles. Well, these, this new apostolic reformation, these guys are saying we are apostles. And the reason they're saying this is because they want to assert their authority over you. And if you belong to a church and hopefully you are you know, in fellowship somewhere, uh, they want to establish authority over the fellowship you're at. They believe that they're called by God to take over the church for Christ. So the New Apostolic Reformation is this reformation whereby they believe that the, 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 the apostles, prophecy, evangelists, pastors, teachers is being reunified and reconstituted with these charismatic leaders who are bringing in a seven mountain mandate it's called, sometimes called the Latter Rain Movement. Sometimes it's called New Breed. So it's called Dominion Theology. Sometimes it's called Kingdom Now. Sometimes it's called Joel's Army. It's a bunch of names for it, uh, uh, where they believe that we're going to take over the earth before Christ comes back, and that we are going to be ruling the earth as the church. And as the church rules the earth, uh, that we are going to basically hand the church to Jesus with a bow around or the world. We're going to rule the nations of the world. We're going to take over government. We're going to take over these seven mountains. And then when we take over these seven mountains, including government, you know, religion and so forth, then Jesus can come back and we will save the world and we will present it to him as his bride. This is, in, this is so unscriptural, so anti the book of Revelation and actually plays into the hands of the enemy because you know what, Chad, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, we see that Satan offered something to Jesus. He took him up to a high mountain he showed him the kingdoms, all the kings of the world in a moment's time. And he showed him all the kings of the world in a moment's time. And he said, Jesus, bow down and worship me and all this will be thine. And Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. And well, guess what? Satan's doing the same offer to a lot of these people. That'll give them all these kingdoms if they will basically do his will rather than the will of the Father which is to preach the gospel clearly and allow themselves to be persecuted, which we're called to do as a church, and accept persecution as our lot in this world. Uh, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And they have this idea that we're going to climb up these seven mountains, we're going to take over education, we're going to take over media, we're going to take over business, we're going to take over government, we're going to take over all these seven mountains, and then we're going to, we're going to reign on the earth and take over the earth. No, and... and the, the one thing when you look at all this and you look at some of these teachers, it is pretty incredible. Not only, obviously, the, the false ideology, the false theology, the false doctrine that is coming out of here, but it's interesting to see how their tentacles kind of go out. It, yeah. it, like, it's, it's some, like Hillsong, you know, and praise God for a lot of what has been done in secret to be coming out to the fold, some of their you know, the money uh, involvement that was going on there as well as some of their lewd behavior, which bad doctrine, 
leads to bad Amen. living. And it's the same reason that Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, made it clear they need to watch his life and his doctrine. And in doing so, he would save himself and those who hear him. And the reason for that is because these things are so clear when you look at scripture and when you see, you're like, what are you guys doing? I remember, and he's not one of the guys featured on our on our picture there, but I remember listening to teaching after teaching by Johnny Enlow. You know, he's one of the main figureheads for the Seven Mountain Mandate. And when he's calling doctrines that are clearly, you just read Second Peter yeah. and see that God's going to torch this thing. Uh, and he's saying that's a, a doctrine from the pit of hell. You go, whoa. Yeah, when, Jesus, when Peter says everything will be burned up with fervent heat, yes. then there'll be a new heaven, new earth. Yeah, and he, I, the idea there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's because they're bringing the kingdom of heaven yeah. here to earth, uh, you know. And what's interesting, Joe— And yeah, he calls that satanic. He it's calls it satanic. Yeah. He calls it a lie from the pit of hell. And and it's interesting when you look at, as as we mentioned, because I'm going to get in tomorrow uh, and something that we've talked about so much, especially because of some of our—specifically what we see in the Scripture, in the book of Revelation, and how that— looks like if it happens in our lifetime, how it would be played out, who some of those uh, end times players might be, whether it's the whore of Babylon, you know, looking very similar to the United States here, whether it is a situation where when you read about the, the, the false prophet there, who causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the bond, all of them to take a mark, the mark of the beast. And you see that he is like a lamb, but that he speaks like a dragon and you're seeing the ecumenical movement and some of the connections with with Rome and so forth, yeah. it, it is it is very dangerous. And then when you see guys like C. Peter Wagner, you're like, yeah, obviously the NAR, he started it and all of that in terms of the he terminology. Coined the term, he coined the term. You have to talk Reformation, he coined the term. And then you look at, I don't know, a guy like Rick Warren, and you look at Rick Warren being mentored by C. Peter Wagner on his, pa- on his doctoral paper, I believe, at... Fuller Seminary, and he has the peace movement and the three stole the stand with the stole with three legs, which is working for the WEF, government, and, and, religion, and, and, united uh, to bring world peace. Yeah, yeah. the World Economic Forum, and, yeah. and so forth. Davos, uh, and and you you see all these connections. You do see what was the connections that were made Hillsong, whether it's Stephen Furtick and Bill Johnson and Bethel. And so you see C. Peter Wagner's work going for, I mean, Chris Valatin, you know, is yeah. like, we just picked prophet, up from that. The right-hand man of uh, Bill Johnson. The false Bethel, prophet. Yeah. Which leads, which is the figurehead church right now of the New Apostolic Reformation. And it's where they consider the biggest revival taking place. Yeah, they, they still think there's some revival taking place over there, even with their command to false, falsely prophesy. And these are the same folks that are in a laughing revival. All this yep. stuff comes out of that. In fact, it's really interesting because... C. Peter Wagner, who was a professor at Fuller Seminary, not far from where we live uh, in California, even though we're out here in New York right now, uh, what's interesting about C. Peter Wagner is he's influenced so many people, but he was influenced himself radically by John Wimber. He had the eschatological construct of this new apostolic reformation and taking dominion over the earth, but he wanted to do it through signs and wonders, and he was heavily influenced by uh, uh, John Wimber, and he influenced John Wimber very heavily too. And we're not going to get into depth in this right now, but I will say this is that when you look at this transference, almost like through the, this false counterfeit spirit is being communicated through the laying on of hands. Because if you go way back to Lonnie Frisbee, and you go way back before Lonnie Frisbee to Catherine Coleman, and we've exposed her, and Catherine Coleman was, you know, just a, a woman uh, prophetess, teacher, committed false prophecy, picked the, uh, the time the Lord would return, and it didn't happen like she said, and, and she was really spooky in these long gowns, and she laid hands on, on, uh, on Lonnie Frisbee, 
And Lonnie Frisbee was in the magic, he was in the occult, he was taking LSD when he claimed to become a Christian and all this stuff, homosexual, unrepentant homosexual, doing cocaine and stuff as well while he claimed to be a believer and so forth. And what's interesting about this is Lonnie Frisbee goes to Wimber's church on Mother's Day of 1980 and it's there that he kind of just sets the people up. And it's important that we, we really follow this because he sets the, the, he's going after the young. That's really interesting. He's going after the youth. Because when we get to the Seven Mountain Mandate, and we explain it a little bit and how it's tied together, it's interesting that it came out, and these guys acknowledge that, out of two huge youth movements, Bill Bright's Campus Crusade and also uh, Cunningham's, Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham's uh, Youth with a Mission. And these guys both get visions while they're ministering to the future of the church about the Seven Mountain Mandate where we're supposed to take over these mountains. Well, Lonnie Frisbee says, I only want the young to come up at Wimber's church. And... Half the church left after this happened. People were falling everywhere, screaming in tongues. People were freaking out, flying around and everything. And then half the church, well, over half the church left and said that it was of the devil. Well, Wimber was freaked out, but then he said, it must have been the Holy Spirit. It's a wave of God. Then C. Peter Wagner joins with him, which is interesting. And then people go to Wimber's church and there's this communication of this Lonnie Spirit. Lonnie Frisbee ends up getting kicked out of that church because of his homosexuality. He's practicing with somebody else. You know, this is from this is not the spirit of God, and people come and it you know gets connected to John Arnott, uh, the airport vineyard up in Canada. In fact, actually, uh, the the so-called Holy Ghost bartender, uh, Rodney Howard Brown, comes from South Africa to Arnott to uh, uh, in, give an impartation of this spirit. So you see this thing flooding around. It's just really, really crazy. All that, as you mentioned, the tentacles, Chad, and you're going to be getting into in our talk tomorrow about about the tentacles that cross all the way to Rome and back from Rome to the NAR movement because it's be this one big apostate thing in the end times. And it's really said at the end times. I got a quote that's worth reading from C. Peter Wagner since he is the head of the snake. Yeah. And he says, and the only way to overthrow government is with government. Okay. Oh, really? Wait, wait. The only way to overthrow government, the government's the world, he means the wicked government's the world, is with government? Really? I, I thought it was Jesus that will come back and rule with a rod of iron, right? And And take dominion over the earth, right? As the son of man in Daniel 7 and throughout the scriptures, he comes with mighty angels and flaming fire to take vengeance on those who dwell on the earth. He defeats the Antichrist. He sets up his kingdom. But no, we are going to take over, he says. He goes, uh, it won't happen, he says, without government. He says, it takes a government to overthrow government. A uh, Gate number one, he says, letter A, the gate of social transformation. The gate of social transformation, he says, is the impart, the anointing to them of this whole community to recognize and raise up apostles to raise up apostles who will set the church in uh, in the workplace in order that our cities, our communities, our states, and our nations will be transformed for the glory in Jesus' name. So Peter Wagner goes on, I won't quote this, a long quote, but he talks about how he believes we're going to take dominion. He says, I believe preterism is true. And preterism takes the book of Revelation and says, it's all come to, it's already passed. It's from a Latin word, which means past. So he says, Preterism is the way to go. It's a theology of glory, and it weds well with his dominionism, he says. So book, what the book of Revelation, Matthew 24, he references Matthew 24, the obvious course, he's talked about end times there, and Revelation says, that's already happened. Right now, we're going to take over the earth for Christ. This is C. Peter Wagner, who is, you know, uh, the head of, you know, he's, he's passed on now, but he really got this ball moving. Now you have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of charismatic leaders claim to be apostles, uh, Lance Wall now, uh, you know, Bill Johnson of Bethel. These are some of the main names. And it's interesting when you look at this. And, and Chad, I think it, it warrants looking at in a deeper way what scriptures they look at. 
They take, now we've been given the Great Commission, right? You know, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, teach them there's every, deserve, uh, observe everything I've commanded you, uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm with you always in the end of the age. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Uh, verse 18, right before that, Jesus says, All heaven and earth, says Jesus, has been given unto me. So he reigns from heaven, but there's a wicked world system that rules in the affairs of man. And right now we're dealing with the day of man. When Christ returns, it's called the day of the Lord. So what's interesting about all of this is I've got the two primary books right in my hand by uh, the leaders of this movement. These are the two primary books in the Seven Mountain Mandate. And uh, one is written by Lance Wallnow. He's considered kind of the, the intellectual, the head of this movement right now, along with Bill Johnson. They wrote this book called Invading Babylon. Okay, and in this book, they talk, and, and on the front, it's got contributions from Alan Vincent, C. Peter Wagner, Che Ahn, Patricia King. And what's interesting, in this book, and I'm not kidding, right here, okay? I don't know if you can read it from the camera right there, but I'll read it, what, what it says right here. This is, a, this is the heading before one of the chapters. It says, how we can take over, okay? How we, okay, how, how do we take over the world, we're going to take over the world, man. Is that what Jesus called us to do? No. He said, I send you as sheep among wolves. And he said, we're like sheep to the slaughter, right? He says, we must have a strategy. And what's interesting, they talk about taking over Babylon. Is that what we're called to do, take over Babylon? Wait, when I go to the book of Revelation, I read about Babylon. In Revelation 18.6, he says, the Lord says, come out of her, my people. Not take over her seven mountains. Come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins and her plagues. That's what's crazy about this. These guys are trying to take over Babylon, saying that we will rule the seven mountains. Many of them are saying, we will rule the seven mountains of Babylon. And when Christ comes back, we will be standing on the mountains of Babylon. Mm, that's scary, man, because you know what happens when Christ comes back? Babylon's destroyed in Revelation 18. And then in Revelation 19, there's rejoicing going to heaven because this wicked harlot who kills the two true Christians and the blood of the saints are dripping from her hands. Uh, it says that the heavens rejoice and the bride has been made ready because she's come out of Babylon, right? She's been persecuted by Babylon. And then Revelation 11, chapter 19, verse 11, right after that, the Lord Jesus Christ comes back with, with the armies of heaven on his white horse, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet. He re rescues the church. So this is all backwards. And what's crazy about this is, listen to what it says in this book. I'm reading from page 27, under the seven mind modern uh, molders of society. And this shows us how the seven mountain mandate, kind of the inception of this and how it came to be. And I was going to read from uh, David Barton, because he's part of this whole thing. He talks about this same story. Lord Cunningham, Bill Bright have this these dreams simultaneously. And I don't, I don't, they're either lying or it happened. If they're lying, that's diabolical. If it happened, it's even more diabolical because it shows you that the same demonic spirit was speaking to these two different leaders and they went off the scripture path and the straight and narrow road where only few will be saved through Jesus. You say, no, many, the whole world, we're going to bring everybody to Christ, or most of them, what have you. And we read, both Dr. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade. Remember, this is by Lance Wallnow and Bill Johnson, this book, Invading Babylon. Both Dr. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a Mission, received the same revelation from God around the same period of time. There are seven major realms of influence in society that shape the way uh, we live and think. Kingdom-oriented people must invade these mountains of influence, right? 
Uh, and he goes on to say, or they go on to write, in order that the transformation of society may take place. Remember, I've already shown you where they said, this is a strategy to take over the world, man. That's right back to Luke 4, Matthew 7, man. Satan says, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Jesus says, no. These guys are saying, okay, show us what to do. Not home, church, education, media, government, and politics, performing arts, uh, co uh, commerce, and so forth. So these are seven things of, uh, of influence. Then they go on to write. It's interesting to note that God gave this insight to two men who lead significant youth movements. And I, that is significant. It's odd because Satan's after our youth. And a lot of the young people today, man, they're all caught up in all the music from Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation Music. And then they deconstruct after. And they deconstruct after that. That's right. Almost every time. God wants an entire generation, they write, to value their call regardless of the title it brings so he can teach them how to invade the culture for its total and complete transformation. So they're going to transform Babylon. Now this is what's interesting. God fully intends for these to, uh, to be the fulfillment of his word. The kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord. Now that's a quote from Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. And anybody who knows the book of Revelation knows that that is not a result of Christians taking over the world and taking dominion over the planet. In fact, that's a result of the blowing of the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet. And it says in Revelation 10, 6 and 7, there'll be delay no longer when the uh, seventh angel blows his trumpet. You know, the mystery of God will be finished as he's declared to the servants of prophets. You go to Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, which was just quoted out of context. And then it speaks of Christ's coming. And he was and he is, but no longer says it's come because it says he took his great power and he began to ring. The seventh trumpet blew. Paul says when the last trumpet blows that we'll be caught to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. And then we'll come with him and then we'll reign with him. Because that's because in Revelation 19, he defeats the beast. And he defeats the false prophet. And he sets up his millennial kingdom. So what you have here is a misuse of scripture to teach a false doctrine to get people's eyes off the Great Commission and winning people to Christ, but rather to take over through politics and saving America and saving the world through political means and, and through false signs and wonders. Yeah, this is this is a huge danger for people. And you have, it, it's such a weird mixed bag because you do even have pre-tribbers recently even glomming on to some of the Seven Mountain idea. And it's almost like, they're thinking the occupy until they come is this aspect of doing this until the rapture happens. And you have people setting dates now. We just had multiple commenters. And guys, yeah, make sure if you have some questions, you could ask them now. We're already almost at the half hour mark. Um, and and we don't want to give away too much because we did come to give a conference to the people out here in terms of what we're, we're sharing. But I, I want to share on one of the images what, on one of the people on the image that we posted was Rick Joyner. And Rick mm -hmm. Joyner has been a false prophet for a very long time. And when it comes to Rick Joyner, what people, and I even listened to him kind of talk about it. It was really interesting. But people have called him out for being a part of the Knights of Malta. Yeah, This is a Catholic order. A, the Sovereign Knights of Malta is a Catholic order. I mean, you can't get around it. You, This is exactly what it is. And this entire idea of sovereignty, even though they don't have any specific land, but they are under the authority of the Pope. And so you're talking about this, and Rick Joyner is one of these prophets of the NAR movement. Yeah. And before he died, right? And he's yeah, before he died. No, is he did he already die? Yeah. Oh, I knew he was in the hospital. Wow. And it's just a sad thing. Oh, I'm to sorry. See. Wrong. I think Mitt Wagner. Okay. 
Right. George is still with us, <laughs> I think. I was like, last not time not I checked, us, he was in the hospital. You know, yeah, no, um, Wagner died. Right? I was like, man, I, I try to, you know, we you know, we tried to do 511 News and be as up to date as possible. So I was a little behind. I was scared. But uh, but no, I, it was it's one of those things. And pray for his soul that he would repent yeah, from these amen. false prophecies and what he's been teaching for so long, teaching that you can make false prophecies as a pro- true prophet of God. And the book, the, just, the Bible is just clear that that's not a fact. And there's no there's no new covenant uh, requirement that laxes the requirement in Deuteronomy that if anybody says they speak from God as a prophet and that does not come to pass, that they are not a true prophet of God. Right. The only difference now is we don't they don't get stoned, uh, and and so it, it is important for us to recognize that. And I know you've already mentioned Rodney Howard Brown, and what people don't realize as well when you get into the Bethel, uh, Rome connection with the word of faith connection with i think you have it's so interesting because you have benny hinn and you have kenneth copeland as the marquee arch heretics of the word of faith prosperity gospel and they all walk hand in hand and they of course of course they walk hand in hand and you have kenneth copeland speaking at bethel just a couple weeks ago by the way you have kenneth copeland having the pope send a message to his church that he plays for his church while having a Roman priest there. I don't even like to, they're not, yeah. they're not even, I'm sorry. The truth is, is that Rome should not even be called Catholic because it's not universal. The only thing universal about it is that it's universally been a false gospel that has tainted so yeah. much of this world. And it breaks my heart because they have a false gospel, but nonetheless have a Roman priest there. And then you play a video and then you say a prayer that we're all brothers and uniting. And then Shayon, Chris Valentin, Mike Bickle, they all team up together. They fly out and they go meet with the Pope and talk about how great he is. Mm-hmm. I watch guys just over and over again. You look at these guys like Lou Engel bowing down to priests. You look at them thinking that the ecumenical movement, I'm sorry, but it's true. When you look back and you find out that Billy Graham himself was inviting Catholics and just having priests there praying with people that are receiving Christ at his crusades, all of this ecumenical movement going to the exact same place. Mm-hmm. And it is not to the gates of heaven. I'll tell you that right now. And it is a heartbreaking thing because it is so detrimental and people don't realize those tentacles, not only to Hillsong, not only to, you know, Bethel, not only to IHOP, but then you're going all the way back to Rome. Yeah. And you have Benny Hinn going go. to a hotel and Paula Wake goes to the same hotel to go check out the Pope, right? And then their film, there's pictures of them leaving the hotel together, holding hands. Well, I don't know what happened there. I know there's fornication going on with the Pope there, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, at the very <laughs> least, right? This is interesting because uh, Rick Joyner, this is where it gets really, you guys, you have to realize there's a spirit behind all this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual deception. It's a counterfeit kingdom. It's a counterfeit move of God. False signs and wonders, false apostles, false brethren. All these different things are in play right here. It's quite interesting because what Satan does, he flips the script. So guess what? We become the enemy. Uh, there's a misuse of scripture. Uh, Rick Joyner, he actually, I'm not kidding, guys. He actually says he had this vision God gave him, this dream. Uh, he's written a book on it, and he writes, he's said this thing over and over again. And it's about the civil war in the church. And guess who are the guess who are the bad guys that will be eliminated or have to be overcome? 
It's us. It's those of us who are using discernment, who use the scripture to test everything. The Bible says test everything uh, to, to see that which is of God. Prove, hold fast that which is good. The Bible says test the spirit, see whether they're from God. The Bible says test everything, hold fast that which is good. The Bible says test the prophets. The Bible says, you know, uh, commands, as I mentioned earlier in this uh, episode, that you're supposed to, uh, they were commanded the church at Ephesus for testing those who claim to be apostles and were not, found them liars. So what's interesting about this is in his vision, and I don't have time to read through it, I've got a lot of the quotes from it here. There's chilling. Those who are left-brained Christians, those who test things by the scripture to make sure they're true, uh, those guys are the grays in the Civil War. The, the blues are the, you know, the members of the charismatic movement that are getting new visions from heaven because blue is a picture of heaven and they're getting these new revelations. Of course, many of these guys are preterists. We don't go by the book of Revelation anymore. We don't go by Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 20, 21, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the book of Daniel. We don't go by these prophecies anymore because a lot of these guys will say that's come to pass already or they'll just start twisting them like Johnny Enlow does left and right. They're basically twisted into a pretzel. And what's happening, guys, is... He's saying that there's going to be a civil war in the church. And guess who's going down? We are. Because they have the move of God right now. But guess what? The Bible predicts that the Antichrist will put to death, who guess who? The true Christians. The whore of Babylon. And I'll be quoting from that in one minute. <laughs> so, Somebody asked what it was. So I was going to okay. show it to yeah, I'm going to be picking okay, up in one perfect. second. Perfect timing, by the way. <laughs> so uh, they, they literally are fulfilling scripture, but they're on the wrong side of it. Because the book says, the book of Revelation says in chapter 13, 5 through 7, that they will put to death the saints. That's the book, the, the Antichrist will, and his followers. And the whore of Babylon, she has the blood of the saints dripping from her hands. So the whore of Babylon is Satan's false church, because we're the bride of Christ, and the whore of Babylon is this counterfeit church. And the Antichrist claimed to be God. He sits in the temple of God, showed himself that he is God. The false prophet looks like a lamb, as, as Chad had mentioned, but he speaks like a dragon. So you have this false trinity, Satan's the dragon that sends the Antichrist, which is the false Christ, and the and the Holy Spirit, or I should say, the, the, the false prophet mimics the Holy Spirit because he does miracles to confirm the Antichrist as Lord, which is a false Lord. Well, this is really crazy because I mentioned these are the two primary books in and the two main books. What's of, the name of that one? This one is called The Seven Mountain Prophecy. By Johnny Enlow. There you go, and, Chemo. You got your And answer. man, he's spoken at Bethel with Bill Johnson and so forth. And, and actually, I'm going to quote from this because you're, it's going to blow you away. We're going to read. Jump by Johnny Enlow, right? And it's, it's unveiling the coming Elijah revolution because they're announcing the coming of the Lord. But guess what? Not the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not who they're going to be following. Because, and by the way, just to let you know, I mean, from the get go, just so you know, this isn't some fringe book. I was going to quote David Barton here, who's a leader among many. Calvinist, and by the way, the Reconstructionists, many of the Calvinists have locked arms with, or at least championing what these guys are doing on some levels, right? In fact, it's interesting, Rush Dooney, Rush Dooney was the primary man, he's the main guy that comes to the fore when people think of Calvinistic Reconstructionism and, and basically bringing in theonomy, which is putting people under the law. Uh, of Moses, the entire world, right? Killing witches and homosexuals and the church is going to rule and so forth. Some of them teach that, some of them don't. Rush Dooney says, even brings up that, yeah, you can kill your kid if they're disobedient, you know? Uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament and so forth. This is crazy stuff, man. And this is not the church, man. This is not the New Testament. They don't listen to you. It says, wipe the dust off your feet, go to the next place, don't resist evil, turn the other cheek. We're not supposed to take over with the sword, man. So this is what's a trip. This book right here, just so you understand uh, I've got, I just opened up first page, Che On. He's one of the leading apostles 
of, of this whole new apostolic reformation. He's the one who went and met with the Pope with with Chris Valentin and Mike Bale That's and right. him as well, by the way. Lou Engel, right? There he is. Lance, down to Lance, Catholic Lance, Lance, Lance Wallnow. See Peter Wagner. Listen to what they see Peter Wagner, right? The head of the snake, the chief apostle of the movement before he died says, No one to date has better revealed to the body of Christ the natural and spiritual challenges for fulfilling God's plan in each of the mountains than Johnny Enlow. He says he's the main guy. That's the, that's the top apostle of the New Apostolic Reformation before he died. And, but let's see what he says here. This is just a blow of mine. This is, this just makes my heart break, makes me queasy, makes my stomach hurt. When I look at that, I'm like, Lord God, this is so wicked because they're leading so many people astray. Listen to what he writes here. This is very, very interesting. He brings up Revelation 11:15 again, out of context. And he says, in the chapters of this book, I'll refer to these foundations of culture or sections of society as mountains, the seven mountains. Listen to what he says though, it's important. Revelation 17 describes a harlot who sits on a beast with seven heads that are seven mountains. This demonic entity described as a woman must be displaced from the mountains, our seats of power. This is our mission. That's that we are we're commissioned by Jesus to do Jesus. Uh, now, that's important. Listen to what he says. This is our mission that we are commissioned by Jesus. Uh, and he says, to do what Jesus does as the head, and we are his body. Now, this is interesting. He's saying Jesus commissioned us to take over the seven mountains of Babylon. When you read Revelation chapter 17, 3, it talks about this whore of Babylon, scarlet woman and so forth, many colors of blasphemy, and she sits on seven mountains, and they are seven mountains of influence, okay? But guess who rules them? The whore of Babylon, until the end of the age when Christ returns and she's destroyed under the seventh bowl and then in concert with his second coming to just wipe out the Antichrist and the false prophet who destroy her right at the very end. This is interesting because he's admitting, he sees these. Now, obviously, he's not a preterist, right? See, Peter Wagner is a preterist, but he's called him the main guy that has a spiritual insight. So they, they play fast and loose with the scripture. They can say it's all fulfilled. Oh, or they can just mangle it to it's, or you can't even understand it anymore. So listen to what he goes on to write. He goes, this is our unfinished business, our promised land that is yet to be taken. So we're supposed to take over the seven mountains of Babylon, you know? And uh, this, it, it gets worse and it gets really worse. Listen to this, guys. And because guess what? Here's where he kind of defines that you are the enemy. I have many quotes I'm not using and because we only have so much time here. Many, many quotes where they talk of violent, about a violent overthrow. There'll be violence and, and how us grays are going to be destroyed. Us, those of us who use our intellect and, and test things by scripture. Oh, we, we, brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus, man, we seek the Lord. He speaks to us by his spirit. God still answers prayer. He still does miracles. But guess what? We're not supposed to shut off our, our discernment meter, man. That's what Satan wants us to do because he wants to bring this movement as a Trojan horse to claim that uh, he's bringing the kingdom of God and bringing a false kingdom, a counterfeit kingdom, because they say this all happens and we rule the earth without Jesus. If you are ruling the earth spiritually without Jesus and the world's come together and you're ruling the earth without the Lord Jesus Christ and before his second coming, guess what? You're part of the kingdom of Antichrist then. That's not the kingdom of God, man. That's the counterfeit kingdom. And listen, this is under the heading, Our Religious Enemy. Johnny Enlow writes this. This is crazy stuff. This religion carries on many elements of the Antichrist because he talks about our last enemy. And he says our last enemy is not Islam. 
He says, guess who it is? Guess who their last enemy is that they've got to destroy before the emergence of this, this new world order. And by the way, C.P. Wagner calls it a Rick Joyner over and over again, a new order, a new order, a new order. This religion carries many elements of the Antichrist in it. It's not about Islam at this point, but don't worry, he says, most of them are going to get converted. There's another enemy. Guess who it is? He says, this religion carries many elements of the Antichrist in it and may in fact be a manifestation of the Antichrist. Islam is an anti-Israel, anti-Christian, uh, as well as an oppressor of women, uh, a, willing, a willing to sacrifice their lives of children for their issue or their cause, he says. He goes, these are all trademarks of the Antichrist, yet I do not see them as the final enemy of the true bride of Christ in the last days. He goes on to say, most of them will be converted. Most of them will be converted. Well, yeah, a lot of them will be under Antichrist, converted to the Antichrist system, that's for sure, because they re reject the love of the truth, you know? But then he goes on to say, what's the real enemy? Left brain Christianity. There's that civil war again. The greys, right? Those who use discernment and say, wait a minute, that's a false prophecy Wagner made. Wait, Rick Joyner made a false prophecy there. Wait, Volatin made several false prophecies. Oh, these guys are making all these false prophecies and they want to take over the world for Christ and they're saying they're doing signs and wonders for Jesus. This looks exactly what the Bible said would be the false counterfeit movement in the end times. Oh, no, don't, don't say that. You must be left-brain Christians. We're the move of God. He says left-brain Christianity will be the last great religious enemy that the church of Jesus Christ will have to face. This is the version of Christianity that is the form of godliness that denies its power. He goes on to write a little further down. All those believers who have not been freed from rationalism will come under its power. He says, the last Antichrist will look good, but will be its ultimate disguise, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I believe that this is the fourth beast or horn of Daniel 7, 20. And then listen to what he says. This takes the cake right here. Antichrist can also be translated against the anointing. The Greek word Christos means anointing. It's a translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, uh, which means anointed one. This Antichrist can ultimately be dis discerned by its anti-anointing stance. It will be pompous and subtly opposed to all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit's power. Believers who have uh, their lives resist, uh, believers who live their lives resisting the anointing will be uh, will, will become an unwitting part of the Antichrist resistance, a tool of the anti-anointing. So guess what just happened right there? Islam is actually going to be good in the end, right? They're going to be converted. The last enemy that has to be defeated is us guys who are anti their false anointing because we're saying, hey, Johnny Enlow, man, you've made so many false prophecies. You've lied on the pulpit over and over and over again. Uh, you guys are making all these false prophecies. You're basically dismissing what the Word of God says about the future, and you're putting your own, you know, materialistic future wanting to be kings right now and not face suffering uh, for the Word of God. And you're saying those of us who are blowing the whistle, those of us that are saying, ah, ah, no, that's false. That's not from God. That's counterfeit. That we're the Antichrist. Oh, you're anti-anointed. Therefore, you're the Antichrist. So it's interesting. The Antichrist becomes the true Christians in the end, and they must be destroyed so they can bring forth this counterfeit kingdom. And Chad, I am just blown away how clear it's laid out. I bought this book some time ago and I started reading it and I hadn't seen these things. I hadn't seen them anywhere on the internet, anything. I just wanted to read what he was saying about this one. And I'm like, dude, this comes like a playbook of Satan, man. Just a shell game, you know, and so forth. And I'll go one more thing and then I'll hand it back to you, Chad, is the scriptures that they use, 
Peter Wagner, since he's the head of the, basically before he died, the head of the movement, uh, he used Revelation 1.6 to say, this teaches that the church is supposed to take over the earth, dominion. And, you know, I have a lot of the book of Revelation memories, a lot of in the past, right? And then I'm just like, what in the world are you talking about? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that shortly come to pass, and he said, signified it by his angel's servant John, who bear record of the word of God and testimony of Jesus, all the things that he saw. Uh, you know, and it goes on to say, Blessed is the Father, and it talks about the Spirit. And then it says uh, in verses uh, he's made as six a king, and seven, a kingdom yeah, of priests. It says, yeah, Unto him that. who yeah. loved us and released us from our sins by his own blood, and hath made us a kingdom of priests, to him be glory and dominion. Same thing Peter said. Yeah, and he goes, ah, you see, it talks about how we are kings and priests, but the Greek literally says a kingdom of priests, and he says, and as kings, it goes on to say that we're to take dominion. I'm like, no, it says <laughs> glory and dominion uh, to him, to Jesus. And that's the thing, they're taking yeah. his glory away. It's all about him. Oh, you know what? You know, he's gonna reign until everything, he's gonna reign until everything is, is put under his feet. And then what that means is we have to take over. No, it says that he puts everything under his feet. And in Revelation eleven fifteen, he puts it under his feet. Revelation 19, when he takes the beast and the false prophet, when he comes back, he puts it under his feet. In fact, they're all gathered together at Armageddon under his feet, literally, and he comes to destroy them. We don't, we come back with him. We're caught up to meet him when he comes back. We come back with him. We're not mountain climbers taking over the world. We're paratroopers, man. We're coming back with Jesus to reign and rule with him at the end of the tribulation period. And what he says, Chad, there is he goes, in little words, he goes, and check the rest of that verse. It says, for dominion. Well, most people aren't going to check the rest of the verse. They're not going to check the context. It doesn't say it's for us to take dominion over the earth. It says uh, he has the dominion. And the very next verse, Chad, Revelation 1-7, talks about that dominion. Behold, he comes with the clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all the kings of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Mm -hmm. He comes, and he takes the dominion. That's the context. Jesus is our Savior. We don't save the world. He saves us out of the world. Then he comes back, and he, the kings of the world become the kingdom of Christ. This is a demonic demonic eschatology with false signs and wonders. And Jesus warned in Matthew 24, 24, false Christ and false prophets will arrive, arise showing great signs and wonders, deceiving if possible, even the very elect. Behold, I've warned you in advance. And Jesus said, the last thing I'll say, Chad, uh, and then I want you to take, take it over for a while, is he will come back, he will come with all kinds of counterfeit signs and lying wonders and all the deceivableness of unrighteousness and then the perish. That's how, that's how the Antichrist is coming. It's going to be a huge deception. And these guys are being set up for that deception. Your heart should break for the millions because this movement is huge. It's the biggest so-called movement in Christianity today taking over much of the earth as far as Christianity goes. Talk, much of the church, not the earth because the church is getting ready to get persecuted. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sorry, guys. I've been trying to keep my finger on it to not lose your comments, but I wanted to answer one real quick. Um, we're going to be at, taking some questions now. I know we said a half hour, but we're now 40 seven minutes into this live so we went a little long i'm trying not to turn off my thing i definitely did drop it mid uh, mid show there but we are live so praise god for you guys and if you're just joining us we got a, a number of new people following uh right now if you're just joining us we're here in new york we have a conference if you're in the area anywhere near we're going to be uh speaking right here at platinum east electric parking lot uh tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. it'll actually start. So if you want to get any details, I put a, a comment in the live chat and I will put another one in there soon. And also 
Uh, I'll be putting it in the comments. So if you're watching this later tonight or something, um, you guys can check it out and make it out here. Uh, that would be great. But I wanted to answer something real quick. It was Eternity and Focus. You asked if Lauren Cunningham would be mentioned on the Seven Mountain Mandate discussion. Lauren Cunningham was already mentioned earlier in the Seven Mountain Mandate discussion. And we talked about that specifically. He quoted from the book talking about how they're going after the youth. I saw another one. Uh, I believe it was Falconer who had asked specifically about, uh, this is not related to the topic as much, but he asked specifically about Jesus on the cross crying, Aloy, Aloy, Sababaktanai, which is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which, by the way, there's a couple different answers. I'll give my answer first because I'm sure Joe will give you a little different perspective as well. Um, when you look at that, it's very interesting because we they didn't have back in the time of Jesus when you looked at Scripture. It's not like they had, oh, you can go to Psalm 22 uh, and, and so forth when, when they were trying to look for where something might be. And this was a case uh, specifically, if you look... Jesus quotes the beginning of a psalm, which is what Jesus would have done to bring attention to a psalm or a piece of scripture. And that psalm is a messianic psalm that if you go and read Psalm 22 right now, you'll see how beautiful it is that it actually lays out exactly what would happen to Jesus. And uh, I believe that not only there are other aspects of that because there's truth in the reality of the pain that Jesus was going through mm -hmm. uh, as well. But uh, I do believe that Jesus was giving us his last sermon there as well before he would be uh, before he would die for our sins. Yeah, and I would I think what Chad said was great right there. I, I agree with everything he said. Jesus was that's how rabbis would bring attention to scripture. But at the same time, and I'm glad he followed up. But that doesn't mean that he was just signaling this is what's happening to me. And because after that, it does you know they they pierce my hands and they pierce my feet and they're they're gambling from you know they're dividing their my garments among them. I mean it's right there describing the crucifixion 900 years by the way before it happened which is extraordinary, right? Yeah. But uh, but there's also truth to what he's saying. There is a truth that, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because Jesus experienced the punishment that we deserve on the cross, uh, even the hellish experiences. He didn't go to hell as uh, you know the faith, word faith teachers teach and falsely, and even John Calvin taught that, uh, misunderstanding or adding to uh, the Apostles' Creed, which doesn't say he suffered in hell. The church fathers, many of them taught that he went to, to proclaim his victory there, in Hades, that is, but that he didn't suffer there. But he did suffer on the cross. And on the cross, he suffered things that people will suffer for eternity, like thirst. I thirst. He suffered the, the darkness. It was intense darkness. There'll be out of darkness. And, and then he experienced the wrath of God. God's wrath was projected on him because he bore our wrath for us. He's the propitiation who was substituting himself to die for, for us on the cross. So my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's a, a cry out to his partaking of the very wrath of God that we deserve. Yeah, and uh, th thank you for the question. I, it is something, it's interesting. I think, Joe, um, I was writing about my first time uh, recently. I'm just about to finish it, uh, Lord willing, but I was just writing about um, discipling, discipleship through witnessing. And uh, the first time you took me out witnessing when I was a newer believer uh, and began, beginning that just focus on the gospel. But what happened was I would talk to Muslims and they bring this up right away. And one of the beautiful things is when you are challenged, and I'm encouraging everyone who's going out witnessing and, and do it more, go out. And if you are, don't go out witnessing, do it at your work, do it wherever you can. Uh, use whatever avenue you can uh, to be able to go out and share the gospel. Um, but getting challenged that way 
when that challenge was brought to me as a young believer, I was like, oh, I don't know that. I have to go back and look. And when I really started to, to read that scripture, and in all honesty, the more in depth I went in on it and the more I studied it, the more it made me just love my Jesus Amen, more. Bro. I'm just being honest with you. Um, and Beautiful. I want to encourage you. Now, I, there's a guy named Jesus Saves, and I'm going to start this answer, and I know Joe's going to want to answer this one too. But he wrote on here and he said, and I, you know, you are talking about my kids, so I want to be, I, I'll be passionate about this. But um, you said, Chad, would you want, would you let your ch- kids go through the tribulation? And the the question is because he's he believes in what is called the pre-tribulation rapture, and the question comes like that to to me to try to bring this this personalized way of saying, well, why would you do that if? If God let let that happen and, and so forth. And then right after that, this is going to be the se- worst seven years in history. And I have to be honest with you. This is exactly when we recently did a, a show on answering pre-trib arguments. Because the fact is, I'm just being honest with you. There is not a single verse in all of scripture that teaches a pre-trib rapture. Not one. It's not there. You can look for it all you want. You're never going to find it. We had a $10,000 offer for many, many, many years. No one could claim it. Right. Yeah. They, no one could claim it because it's not there. Yeah. Um, I, funny enough, I even uh, asked my my aunt. She reads the Bible through at least four times a year. I said, can you find it for me? And uh, when I saw her the next time after challenging her, she read, 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 and she said, sorry, it's not there. Uh, but I, I, a lot of people have come to realize that after actually looking the scriptures at this and not just listening to maxims. But I say that only because... This is what I like to call eschatological gaslighting, because what happens is if you watch all these, um, you know, conferences and stuff, it's kind of crazy to me how many pre-trib conferences, which will have, I'm sure, teachings that are really great in a number of different ways, maybe uh, things against amillennialism or postmillennialism or, you know, teach certain aspects that I'm like, oh, that's great. But then there are certain times where you're like, wow. And then there are certain conferences where they just spend the entire time talking about how terrible the tribulation will be. Because then what they do is they take it and say, well, if you believe we're going to be there, it's almost as if I'm the one doing the wickedness to someone or I'm the one, it's not even wickedness, but I'm the one that's pouring out wrath on them or trying to tell them you're going to get this wrath. But we do not believe. In fact, I know that you obviously don't believe that believers even during the tribulation are going to receive wrath unless you believe in another gospel where people get saved by way of another gospel where they do receive wrath. But the fact is there are going to be believers there. And the fact is, is that could you imagine, I just, just think about this in your, in your walk with Christ. I want to encourage you because making these statements, you have to bring them back to their logical conclusion. Would you go to someone being persecuted right now for their faith? This is not even, we're not talking about wrath of God because I don't think any, there's not a single post-trib believer that believes that the wrath of God is poured out on God's children. And yeah. there's no one that thinks that God has such bad aim that a sniper can hit who he wants, but God can't when it comes to his wrath. But I, I want to say, say this, could you imagine making that statement and think about that echoing to a persecuted brother or sister in Christ who's going through, I don't know, some of the things that have happened. Have you studied what Islam does to uh, people that believe in Islam do to people in places in Africa, places in the Middle East? Have you studied or, or listened to any of the testimony of people that fought through communist uh, China and different regimes, North Korea? whatever may be, that persecution. Would you let your children go to there? Would you let your children go there? Do you believe there are children of God in North Korea? Because I do. Would you let your children go there? No, I wouldn't let my child go there. But I know that the perseverance of the saints, according to the word of God, according to the book of Revelation, is that at that time, during that time, one, God is looking for a wonderful bride. And when you look at the seven churches in Revelation, the only two 
that get no rebuke and only commendation are the ones that are most persecuted. Smyrna in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, well, would God let your children go there? Yes, he would, because there's an ultimate good that's going mm-hmm. to come out of it. In the same way that God promised in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he promised that to Israel that was going to go through a terrible, terrible tribulation. He told them, guess what? That he had a plan for them, a plan to prosper them, a plan for their good. Did that good involve them actually being persecuted horribly by the Babylonians and being in captivity? Absolutely. But God had a plan through it in the same way I warned my children about that as well. I came here without my kids, the ones you just asked if I would send them through tribulation. I came here and before we left, I sat down my sons, I sat down my daughters, I said, if daddy passed away, if if something happened while we were gone, are you still going to follow Jesus? We have to make them aware of the realities of the things that definitely could happen, whether in our lifetime or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And to simply gaslight in such a way Uh, to make it seem like I'm, you know, you're such a bad parent. Why would you allow this to happen when God is not a bad parent? He's a perfect parent. Mm -hmm. And he, people throughout the the church, throughout all the centuries, just look at its foundation has been persecuted just over and over again. So I I want to encourage that and I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. uh, Cause Chad dealt with that, uh, which I'm glad he did, but spent a lot of time on it. I'll just try to be really brief and I'll, I'll say two things. First of all, you show the danger of the pre-trib rapture. Even the scriptures never spoke of it. It wasn't taught in the church. Any church creed, you can't find one church creed, and there's been thousands of them written prior to the 1800s, where in the church creed, they pronounce a pre-trib rapture before the, the tribulation period. You can't find it. And you can't find any one clear verse, but we find many verses where Paul says, don't be deceived. Christ will not come to gather us together until the Antichrist comes first and the falling away takes place first. So I want to say that, but I want to make a couple other points that, that I think are really, really important. And we, we love you. You know, we can differ on these things as believers, but you show one of the big problems of pre-trib. You don't believe a loving father would let his children go through the tribulation period. And so you will get upset very likely, or many people that think like you, how could God let me go through this if you really love me? And then you're possibly going to fall away because you can't believe the father let you go through this. But listen up. I think it's important that you understand this guy. And we love you, but you need to understand this. Do you understand, do you believe the scripture in Revelation 9, uh, Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 14? Do you believe what it says there? I know you do. It says there'll be a great multitude that no man can number from a nation, kindred, people, and tongue all over the earth. A great multitude that will come out of the great tribulation period. That means they suffered through it. They died and so forth. And and they will be cleansed by the blood of the, the lamb. They'll be robed in robes of, you know, that they're robed in the righteousness of Christ with the blood of the lamb. And guess what? you would agree that those were all children of God, right? Well, guess what? I've just proven to you that God does let his children go through the tribulation period. A great multitude that you can't even number them, there's so many. Would you say that they are not children of God? No, you'd say they're children of God. Would you say that God loves you more than them? I'm sure you wouldn't say that. God's not partial. So what do you have to conclude? That God just doesn't doesn't let people go through the tribulation period. He lets his own children by the hundreds of millions perhaps, go through the tribulation period because he loves them. And because by doing that, guess what? The scriptures say that tribulation worth patience. Let patience have its perfect result that you might be, that you can become perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. He uses the tribulation period and we're supposed to rejoice, it says, in trials to perfect us. And he's coming back for not a whore. He's coming back for a bride. And that's how he changes and transforms our characters through trial. He takes away our sin through the blood. He transforms our characters through the blood of Christ. He's not coming back for this weak, 
feeble, lukewarm church, man. He's coming back for a church that suffered under a false apostate movement that claims to be the church called the NAR movement and other deceptions. And we need to hold fast to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We, uh, we've got a little more romantic on the lighting here, but we'll, we'll keep going as we can. <laughs> but uh, we'll have I'm Keith glad it happened when we said then it became dark when Jesus was on the cross. Said earlier, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, but Joey, uh, and, and guys, um, I, I just want to let you know, those who are leaving uh, comments, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll take a screenshot and then, so I can't get the most latest comments but we had one from Tr triggerverse and it's kind of cool it's kind of having a little different questions here tonight but triggerverse asked he said and and thank you also for the super chat that was a that's a real blessing thank you thank you for that Amen. it says i found you all about a month ago i love this channel i heard you're about to do a video on freemasonry with all the presidents being masons do you believe the u.s was at its foundation a christian nation and i guess i'll keep doing the thing that we've been doing um, and I'll, I'll give you a short answer and hand it over, hand it over to Joe on this. I know for me, when we, we do have a great resource and, you know, Chris Pino is a good friend of ours. And, um, I, my personal view is his best work was probably on the hidden faith of the founding fathers. I think that is my personal view. Megiddo, Megiddo one and Megiddo two are, are amazing films as well in terms of prophecy. But I, I think the hidden faith of the founding fathers is so important, especially with you guys. You have guys like Reconstructionists, like Barton, that are pushing this stuff. Marshall Foster, you guys, you have guys like and you know loved him and and so forth. But you got guys like Kirk Cameron getting caught up in some of this stuff and thinking they're going to reconstruct the government and and getting in that post mill uh, whole framework. It's really really sad. It it, it is so frustrating. Uh, to see that, especially when you see the deception that it all, the two wings of this whole thing. But in that film, I think he does a great job of documentation. He gets the quotes directly from those men. And I do believe there's a difference between those who are running the nation and a difference between those who were living here as well, where I believe there were definitely a number of believers that actually were, uh, were here in the United States that doesn't mean that the government itself, yes, it is a fact. Don't let people tell you that's just a liberal lie, like Jack Hibbs said about Thomas Jefferson. He was a deist. Yeah. The things that he said about the Bible, did to the Bible, the things that he said about the apostles are wicked and disgusting. And to say you can go get hope by going over there, or George Washington, who was ultimately an occultist. I mean, I, you look at it, yes. Were there Christians involved? Certainly. Did they steal from Christian morals? Atheists do it every day, or otherwise they'd all be nihilistic and dead, or, or otherwise. So yes, people will do that. Ultimately, though, I, I don't, I can't see and say yes. This nation as a whole, at its foundation, is a Christian nation. Outside of a lot of the people that were here, and I think about John Wesley who was here before 1776, before it became a nation, who was here to witness, witnessing all over the, to the colonies and also to the Indians here as well, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool, or the Native Americans, I should say. Yeah, uh, just briefly, hopefully. Uh, basically, the founder of our nation was founded by deists, uh, Unitarians, occultists, Masons, and some Christians. There was a mixture of people with different convictions. Uh, I mean, you look at the Declaration of Independence was written by a man who just trounced the idea that Jesus was God. He just talked about Thomas Jefferson, who ripped the uh, miracles out of the, and, and called the apostles a bunch of losers, basically. Uh, and uh, you, we want to say that, and George Washington, he wouldn't even take communion. He'd go to church, but he'd leave before communion. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, you know, 
coming just you know, on the heels of that, uh, he rejected the Trinity, you know, that Jesus is God. We're talking about a lot of the main folks, right? And we have a bunch, you could just look at the architecture from the founding of our nation and, and not long after uh, in Washington, there's all kinds of pagan gods and everything else all over the place. How can we say this was a Christian nation? Can we say there were Christians in the nation at the forefront that that that, that injected a, a biblical I should, morals and a biblical worldview and there was an influence of the Christian church on the founding of the nation? Absolutely. And we want to champion those values. But we don't want to... This is one of the dangers of the Seven Mountain Mandate. People are focused more on saving America politically than the cross of Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel. That's what breaks my heart. I mean, there's a lot of dangers. There's, there's dangers because of the seduction of the Antichrist kingdom. And they're setting, there's greasing the skids for the, the professing Christians to end up in this false counterfeit kingdom. But one of the biggest dangers of, of, of the, count, of the uh, Seven Mountain Mandate is, is basically... Uh, the, the, the leaven of the Sadducees politicizing the church. Uh, am I saying we don't be salt and light in the sense of you know uh, you know preaching you know righteousness and so forth? Man, we do all kinds. We stand in front of abortion clinics. We yep. we go and we're, we are you know well, a lot of the a lot of the Calvinists, a lot of the Seven Mountain Mandate people. We don't see a lot of them out there often. You know we're out there. You know so we actually are salt and light. But we believe the main thing we're called to do is preach the gospel one soul at a time. But we're not under any false delusion. That most people are going to become, and the world's going to become Christianized, and America's become Christianized because Jesus said, "Enter the narrow gate." He said, "Narrow is the gate, and straight is the way it leads to life, and few are those who find it." Do you believe that? But uh, broad is the gate, and spacious is the way it leads to destruction, and many go that way. So the scriptures are clear: most people are going to hell, and the false prophets are the ones saying that the most are really the true believers in the end. No, that's not how it works. Uh, praise God, there'll be people saved from every nation, kindred, and tongue. We talked about. But uh, the nation itself has had various influences, and that's reflected in our founding documents. We read the Declaration of Independence. How, much the, how many times it mentions Jesus and how many to preach his gospel and give him glory? Zero. Same with the Constitution, okay? Uh, because, but at the same, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of good morals and stuff. And because the, I said that. We agree with that. But we, we're not a Christian nation by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and and Joe, I, I and praise God for the question. I, I think it's uh, just an honest question, and you know we've been blessed, obviously, with a lot of the freedoms that we have, and yeah. the freedom to share the gospel. And but it's a great you, question. But you know, one of the things that I think about too is a lot of times, if you just look through the history of the church, you know, when the church gets fat and happy, a lot of times you have uh, you know some detrimental things taking place. So uh, praise God for those who are on the front sure. lines and sharing the gospel. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of questions, Joe, about Shane and Shane. And we did a, an interview with Shane and Shane. Uh, we promoted their music as well, uh, especially, you know, these guys singing psalms, literally, and, you know, amazing voices, gone to their concerts and so forth. And uh, we wanted to let a few people know. So if you guys don't know what some of the controversy is, so Shane and Shane uh, recently posted an image, and I, I say recently, we've been traveling so much, so it's not as recent, uh, but of an upcoming concert in, in October. And the problem with that upcoming concert, it's, it's an Air One concert, and it is a worship now live at Red Rocks in Colorado. And here's some of the artists, Phil Wickham, Brandon Lake, Brian and Jen Johnson, Shane and Shane and John Reddick. Now, Brian and Jen Johnson, if you guys don't know, and this is an NAR episode, it's a good time to bring this up. Brian and Jen Johnson, they are from Bethel. In fact, uh, I mean, they're two of the prophets over there pretty much uh, at Bethel, writing a lot of the music, 
Uh, Brian Johnson has teamed up with Phil Wickham since 2018, uh, writing the music. And, you know, before 2018, I even had Phil Wickham play a concert with us back in the day. Um, before all this was going down. Before all this, before he teamed up with Brian Johnson or anything like that. Um, and you look at, obviously, Brandon Lake and, and all this Bethel stuff and Shane and Shane, who a lot of their music is simply scripture. And then other songs I've heard, they're, they're not uh, a company with scripture and you have quotes from C.T. Studd, one of my right. favorite missionaries. And they've, and they've kept themselves from this stuff, which is one of the reasons. At least like, to oh, some degree, God. yeah. Like, well, yeah. Not, not right now, maybe. Not, not right now. And so I, I want to let you guys know where we're at because when this first came out, it was first sent out as an email. And... A number, actually, I'll just tell you, Tony's behind the camera and Tommy and myself emailed uh, Shane and Shane um, directly because we're like, what's going on? And so I want to read you what they wrote back so you guys uh, have a good understanding of what they said. And then we also publicly shared with them as well. Because one thing I want to encourage, this is supposed to happen in October. And if you go to their page, every post they have, people are coming against them. Including our post, warning them. Yeah, yeah, including us. We have come out and, guys, what are you doing? You know, like, this music you've made has been such a blessing to so many people. I mean, you're literally, you have an entire, multiple albums where it's just the Psalms that you've put to amazing music. In fact, many of the people that love their music, love their music because it's been a refuge of good godly music apart from all this heresy so that it's really, really sad. You to know? go play at this Air One event, yeah. you know, with Brandon Lake and, and Brian and Jen Johnson. Jen Johnson, who literally said the Holy Spirit is like a genie, a blue genie from Aladdin. I mean, some of the stuff they've said and done, it's pretty sad. But this was the response after, hey, these are the concerns. What, what are you doing? Uh, they said, thanks for reaching out and sharing your thoughts. At the Worship Initiative, we take truth and theology very seriously while very prayerfully and thoughtfully considering the music we make and who we share a venue with. And we do this with the guidance of an abundance of counselors. Our aim is to please the Lord and equip, help, encourage, lead the whole church in worshiping him, not just those who we agree with absolutely on everything. We are not trying to please any single person or group of people, uh, only the Lord. We also, like Jesus, are not going to distance ourselves from imperfect people or people who may have many incorrect beliefs, teachings about God and the Bible. As a matter of fact, we would love to be even closer with friends like that. What an incredible opportunity to influence with truth. Above all else, unity in the church. Ah, that is so frustrating. Um, unity in the church is not a suggestion for it. Is It's a massive priority and high calling straight from the Lord himself. The most important commandment is to love our neighbors, including the ones you mentioned. So that's what we are going to do. We learn a lot from Jesus regarding people who are willing to associate with and places we are willing to go in order to proclaim life in his name and see lost people set free. Thank you for sharing your concerns, for supporting our ministry by listening to our music. It's so encouraging for us to hear and so forth. Real quick, now, Chad, before you respond to that, yeah. I just want to say, uh, and praise God, we want to love our neighbors ourselves, and that's why we try to rescue people from the pit, right? But he said the most important commandment is to love your neighbors yourself. Uh, did he not say, love your Lord, your God, with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's the most and the highest of the commandments, Jesus said. Then, after that, is love your neighbors yourself. So if you put man before God, then that's going to be a big problem. But if you love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, the Lord, the psalmist said, I'm a companion with all those who fear him. 
those who fear him love his truth and want to stay away from evil and error. So I think it's very, very important uh, that we understand that we have to put God first. Uh, yeah, Jesus wants us to be unified and we seek to be unified. But and guess what? We have a lot of differences with a lot of different believers and different denominations and so forth. But they're not preaching this rank end time wicked heresy. They're not saying yeah. that they are little gods. They're not making false prophecies and claiming that they're still from God. These are people that have differences on mode of baptism or difference in their view of when the rapture is or difference of whether all believers were persevere or you could fall away. We still count each other brethren. And guess what? We, we serve together. We love each other. We have great discussions. We have unity in Christ. But guess what? There comes a time when you have to draw a line when there's damnable heresies where they're teaching rank heresy and teaching a false gospel, that you have to say this is beyond the pale. And the Bible says, Jesus says, sanctify them by their truth. In the same prayer, we prayed that we'd be one. But he says, sanctify them by their truth. That's how we are one. We're supposed to, it says, as Paul said, to be unified, speaking the same things. So we're supposed to seek to get one another to understand the scripture together and be unified. And the Bible says, mark those who cause division, not according to sound doctrine. And Paul, and the, uh, Paul said that, in Romans 16, we're supposed to mark them and avoid them. And then guess what? It says, Paul said, there must be divisions among you to show who is approved. So there's going to be divisions because false yeah. teaching is going to come in. But those who stand for truth, those are the ones that will be approved. And we can test it and say who's standing for the truth and who isn't. So there's a time to unify, and that's for those who are in the truth and love it. But we cannot unify with those who are fleecing the flock. Yeah, I, I think this is really important. And I, I'll read because one of the verses that Joe quoted is how we responded to them more publicly. Because if you the, that email I just read to you was something that was sent months ago when it was first initially sent out. That they were and they be still haven't done it, by the way. But yeah. you're seeing what's going to happen. It was, it was part of this Air One event that's coming up. Uh, make sure always, guys, and this is something I think is important too. Let's always be accurate when we are critiquing, um, you know, I've seen Amen. a number of videos that are like, oh, they're touring with him now. This isn't right. I'm, I'm, this is wrong that they would be a part of this event that ha happens in October. But let's also make sure we're accurate. And when we are inaccurate on what we're reporting or stating, let's make sure, even if it's against those we disagree with, let's make sure we are as accurate as possible. Uh, as they say, steel manning uh, the argument, so to speak. But this is what we let them know publicly because before it was private, so we didn't say anything. But when they post it publicly, we let them know, such a disappointment. I pray you see why so many are disheartened by you brothers choosing to play alongside these acts. I truly hope and pray you reconsider this. And then I quoted Romans 16, 17 through 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. Amen. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And and one thing I, I want to point out, and I, I won't belabor this. I'm sure we have more questions. I'll have to try to find some more on here. But Joe, yes, we are pre-mill. Chris Gary, you just asked. but um, Absolutely pre-mill. Pre-mill, post-trip. But, um, but one thing that I think people don't understand, and, and interesting enough, we talked to Holly Pivik. We haven't aired that yet because we're working on a documentary on the New Apostolic Reformation. But... Um, we talked with not only Holly Pivik, but also Doug Guyvet, uh, who wrote the book, uh, The Counterfeit Kingdom, and sat down with both of them separately. And one of the things we talked about was a lot of people don't understand that when they are playing Bethel songs, when they're playing Bethel music, when they're going alongside of them, that it's not just simply them singing a song. Oh, you know, and we can check and look and, oh, this one has good lyrics, so it's okay because it doesn't matter that it comes from Bethel. Because ultimately it can come from a donkey and, and still be the word of God. 
But the problem is, is that what they are writing is not simply just lyrics on a paper. They are proclaiming, not supplications, but they are proclaiming and believe when people are singing these songs, whether you know it or not, you're actually coming under the authority of Bill Johnson, their prophet. Their apostles. Yeah. And their, their apostle, I should better yet say, Chris Valentin, the prophet, according to them, false prophet. I just want to make sure I don't ever, you know, somebody, you know, clips that and thinks I'm calling him a prophet. But, um, but when we look at it and we see it, know that they believe that when you're singing this, you're actually coming under the authority of the apostle of the apostles, the new apostolic reformation, that new the new apostles, the super apostles that they have now. And you're coming out of authority, and you're actually part of the prayers that will bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth. And so that's why it's not oh we probably shouldn't sing these. It's it's when you understand that, and and hopefully when they start to understand this, I really hope that people reach out in love to Shane and Shane. I've talked to them. We sat down with them. They they really they knew the word. They seemed like they really cared. Even in that response, that's not them. That's somebody else. They haven't responded to this, Joe, and it does hurt my heart because yeah. a number of people. It's not just mine. A number of people have gone on there and expressed this is this is messed up. Why are you doing this? It, like I've seen people all over the every, almost every comment, and they're still. It, it's interesting that they haven't made a real public statement about it, and it hurts my heart. Uh, like I said, because. The truth is, is when it comes to even the guys we talk about, when we do a sermon on something or we pray for those 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 people because they're just as lost as the people that are being lost from their teachings. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, I, I really pray and we have, you know, they have till October, you know, uh, to, to make a decision on this. And ultimately, hopefully money doesn't matter. Um, influence doesn't matter. And, you know, this idea of unity Guys, then what are you able to unify with? I mean, ultimately, because the unity is supposed to be on the truth. Love rejoices in the truth, not error. And the fact is, is that if you want to live a life with with love that is from the Bible, as it as it calls us in Romans 12, 9, then we need to love without hypocrisy. Amen. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. And this, these doctrines are absolutely, positively uh, doctrines of demons. I had I had another question here, Joe, um, but I, I did think it was important for us to uh, address that as well. Um, but Joe, we had another question regarding uh, the restrainer. Now, obviously, we have done a long episode on that. Um, but I guess in short form, somebody asked, who do you think the restrainer is found in second Thessalonians? And I believe also found in Daniel, but I'll let you answer that. Yeah. We know for sure. It's not the church. A lot of people say it's the church or it's the Holy spirit in the church. Yeah. And then the restrainer, we taking that through the preacher rapture and then the antichrist will emerge. Uh, that was not an opinion, a, an idea, a belief of the early church fathers. None of them talk about that uh, uh, but the context itself it can't be the church because Paul says right before uh, he says that the restrainer will be taken away out of the way and then the man of sin will be revealed right before that keep in mind right before that the context cannot contradict what we read with regard to the restrainer and most people agree the language of the restrainer and who he is and so forth is ambiguous right hard to understand uh, although it's there for a reason, I believe we can understand who he is there. But the language right before that's real clear. You never you never reinterpret that which is clear under uh, in, in light of that which is obscure. You always interpret that which is obscure in harmony with that which is clear. 
And the clearest part of the passage is Paul says, concerning Christ's coming and our being gathered together to him, the rapture, let no one deceive you by any means, by word as from us, by a, a, a spirit, a pneuma, demon spirit he's talking about, or, or, or a prophecy or what have you. That day, what day? Christ coming to rapture us up, to gather us up, will not take place, he says, until two things, Paul says, until the uh, apostasy comes first, the apostasy, apostasy is falling away, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship of God, so that he sits in the temple of God, show himself that he is God. And then, so we're told very clearly, two events take place before the rapture, that's the falling away in the Antichrist. And then it's not until after that, because Paul used the word parousia for the word the coming of Christ, our coming, his coming are being gathered together to him. And then he used that same word again. And then he says, after the Antichrist is revealed, he said that Christ will return, he will come, parousia again, and he'll destroy the Antichrist, he says, with the spirit of his mouth, the brightness of his coming. So he comes, the parousia, after the tribulation to destroy the Antichrist. That's when we're caught up to meet him in the air. So then that makes it very clear that the restrainer can't beat the church. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit in the church. The Holy Spirit's taken out of the world. And the church is taken. No, that would still contradict the verses I just cited. The church isn't going, is going to go through the tribulation. There'll be a falling away and the second coming is after the Antichrist. So when he's saying, and by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave the earth during the tribulation period. We know that because Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, when they bring you up before leaders during the tribulation period, it's that, that, that's that tribulation period. Everybody agrees, Mark 13, every futurist, I should say, whether you're pre or post, believes Mark 13 is talking about the tribulation period. Uh, Jesus says, don't premeditate what you say at that time because the Holy Spirit will speak through you and give you utterance. He's still on the earth, folks, okay? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, really clear. And also throughout the book of Revelation, the Spirit of the Bride says, come, let him hear that come, let uh, him that comes, you know, drink freely from the water of life. The Spirit of God seals us. We can't be born again, but by the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, so, uh, well, who is he? And man, we have a whole show on this, so I'm gonna refer to you to that show and just say this. I'll say this much though, is that, because uh, I knew a lot of my, our pre-trib friends would say, oh, it must be, the, that's the rapture. You guys need to tell them it's the, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the church. So I knew I had to address that. But the scriptures tell us that uh, the Archangel Michael stands over Israel and he is the guardian of Israel. Okay, he's the principality. Remember, he's fighting the prince of Persia when he, you know, Gabriel needed help. You know, there was that 21 day wait that Daniel waited. And then in the spirit realm, uh, the, uh, Michael came and helped him and freed him to go answer, uh, you know, dispatch from God to answer uh, God or Daniel's prayer to God. So what's really crazy about this, when you think about it, is it's in Revelation 12, Daniel 12, that you see he's the guardian over Israel who protects Israel, amen? And what's interesting is when he's moved out of the way, that's when the Great Tribulation starts. Because we read Revelation chapter 12, that Satan is cast down, it's pretty, it fits like a hand in the glove. Satan is cast down, he, and woe to the earth, for he has come with, he with great wrath. And it says when he's cast down, Michael the archangel and him are having war, they're having battle in heaven, and Michael and his angels and and Satan and his angels and Satan and his angels are cast down during the tribulation period. They no longer have, no longer have access to the heavenly realm and, and woe to the earth. So what happens, and it says then there's great, that's when there's well, great tribulation breaks out. So it's when Michael stops protecting Israel like he was that in Revelation, Daniel 12, just read Daniel 12, the first few verses. In Revelation 12, you'll see it. It's like a, a hand in the glove, as I mentioned. It's the archangel Michael, who I believe is a restrainer. And when he stops protecting Israel, uh, there'll be great tribulation for Israel like never took place before and never will be after as the scriptures say which shows you that the whole idea of preterism that 70 AD was the end you know was the tribulation period is ridiculous hardly anybody died 
in that period of time compared to even the Holocaust in the 50 million plus that died during World War II. And definitely nothing close to what's going to happen in the tribulation period, which would be worse than the, what happened in the Holocaust even. And Jesus says if, if he didn't come back, when he comes back, no life would be saved. That's not what was going on in 7 AD. That's coming up in the future. Amen. And I, I think that all these things are, are really important for us to understand. And Joe, we've been getting a lot of uh, comments. A lot of people are really encouraged. And I, I just want to sh give some shout outs for you guys being on our live stream. And thank you guys so much for sharing it. I see Micah Rodriguez there. I see you on there a lot. Girls with a Bible. I know you are on here all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, praise the Lord for you. I see you on the Facebook comments as well. So uh, praise God. I see uh, Sean Bailey, thank you for telling everyone to uh, help me out with the questions. Star, Courtney, you guys are always great on here. Um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, new faces too, which is really cool. Somebody said uh, they're going to start listening. Leslie Arden said, uh, I'm going to start listening to your Sunday services as you guys give such a clear explanation. So if you guys You're didn't missing know... missing something. I don't want to say yeah. it, but you are. <laughs> yeah. If you guys didn't know... Um, you know, this is Good Fight Ministries. This is the channel. And uh, most of Good Fight Ministries in terms of what we do as a ministry is exposing the works of darkness. That's what this ministry is. But both Pastor Joe and myself, uh, I am um, I serve alongside Joe. Joe is the head pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. And you can hear those messages literally every Wednesday, every Sunday. They're live streamed, but you can check them out whenever you want. We have a catalog of messages that you guys can check out. We've got fact, a YouTube channel. Almost our entire series on Revelation is on there, uh, and and you guys can always check those out. Hopefully, you guys are blessed by them. I want to thank you so much. We have a ton of people that, that go back and forth uh, on. I see a lot of the names on here. I see you, Chuck, obviously, over there, come on, you Gunners, uh, for my fellow uh, my fellow Arsenal fan from England. Actually, one day, Lord willing, we'll get out there, um, not just for a game. And I keep dropping my 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 thing. Hopefully, I'm, you can still hear me. But I did get a, another question. I, oh, three lucky dog. I see you on there all that time, Craig. I see a number of yours. Uh, the Roche uh, twenty two. I've seen you on there. The friendly evangelist. Praise God for you, bro. Um, uh, you're. Uh, I, he's from Ukraine. He was sharing the gospel oh, in war torn Ukraine. Um, great, Lord, great brother, Bonnie Bell. I see in you on there, Triggerverse as well. Uh, talk nerdy to me. All right. <laughs> That's a funny name. Uh, and then we got Annette. Thank you guys so much. Um, blessed by you guys. But Jen P asks uh, this question. Um, do you believe that the first seal has actually been torn open from the book of Revelation? I'm going to try to fix this. Sorry. If Tony can get me out of frame so I can <laughs> lean down and not look too weird, that'd be great. Yeah, the, the first seal, I don't believe, personally has been opened. I do, you know, we could, we do believe the seals uh, all the way one through six, and six brings you to a picture at the very end, Armageddon, and then the seventh seal's open, it brings you through a recapitulation, not of the exact events, but the tribulation period again, and the seventh bowl, or seventh uh, trumpet, last trumpet, that's when we're raptured, that's another picture of Armageddon at the very end, and then the, the bowls show you a recapitulation of the end of the tribulation with the last bowl uh, heralding the second coming, so we have what we believe is parallelism in, in the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, not saying the first seal is the first trumpet, is the first bowl, and so forth, we're just not saying they all overlap one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but we're saying they overlap time period to a degree, but what we will say is that the first seal, I believe personally, and this is one that is open to some interpretation, I mean, there's some things that aren't open interpretation. There will literally be a mark of the beast, right? That if you take in your right hand, your forehead, you'll be damned, right? So there's a lot of things that are super clear. As far as when that first seal pops, uh, uh, I, I believe personally that the white horse rider is the Antichrist. Uh, he 
Some people say he's, it's Jesus, you know. Uh, well, no, he's the first horse rider. He doesn't have a sword. Jesus comes back on a white horse as well, but he comes with the sword out of his mouth. The, the, this guy comes with a bow, right? And he has, uh, he has a Stephanos in the Greek, a crown. It's called a Stephanos. It's a victor's crown because he goes forth conquering to conquer during the tribulation period. When Jesus comes back, he comes back with many crowns and they're called diademas, royal crowns. It's a big difference. And uh, the Antichrist comes at the beginning. Jesus comes at the end. Uh, and I believe what happens is uh, those seals begin to pop and it pops with the first, the white horse rider. And it could symbolize more than just the Antichrist. It could be the whole false peace movement under the Antichrist with the false Christ and the false prophet as well, which would line up with the beginning of Matthew 24 and the birth pains. Uh, for my brothers who believe that it's already been opened and they believe that it represents the birth pains and we're already in the birth pains, I, I understand that. I respect them and it's very, it's possible that that's true because it doesn't, there's no verse that says, this is exactly what the first seal looks like and means over another verse. So it's open to interpretation. I just want to be careful. I don't say, hey, we're, the tribulation period's already started. So what I want to say is that I believe speaking of the Antichrist and that we need to watch for a covenant of seven years that will be made uh, by the Antichrist and so forth. Praise the Lord. And uh, I wanted to say uh, a number of the comments. And you know what's cool, Joe? I, I wanted to bring this up because... Uh, I was like, hey, you know, we now have the, uh, they sold their social rock and roll, not only in high definition, but completely available for free on our website. And so Go I said, fight.org, it's free. And so I wanted to let you guys know that uh, because I told Joe when I heard that was actually, we got it, everything's up, it's all good and running. I was like, I want to just share my testimony. And so I was like, let's do it so that people can know to go there. And I've been so blessed today. We've been in New York, but I've been going through all the comments and reading through all the people, leaving encouragement and a ton of people on here as well. So I wanted to thank you guys for that. Also, Joe, I've got I've received text messages and I've also see oh hey Aletha, I saw you, I saw you on there. I saw your text. I got it sent in a screenshot. We will have those tracks available for you. So praise God. But um but uh, James Jackson from Blessed Hope, uh, Texas, won't stop texting and leaving comments and saying, "You can you please tell everyone that uh, John Hagee and their church is involved with Chris Valentin and NAR? Yes, it is a fact. John Hagee has had at his church, and Matthew Hagee, his son, has had Bethel uh, teachers such as Chris Valentin come and teach at Cornerstone there in San Antonio, Texas. And yes, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys that are very avid in their pre-trib beliefs, it's very convoluted when they get connected with some of them. Yeah. And not only has he had those guys there, but he's had new agers come yeah. when they allowed that that uh, that conference there with uh, Michael Flynn and some of that yeah. stuff that was going Spooky on. stuff, man. Some weird stuff. Oh, there's stuff. other stuff, too. I mean, come on, man. Hey, he claims that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. Uh, that's, uh, he also that's left his wife right for there. his secretary. That's a problem, yeah, that's too. a big one, too. Uh, you know, that whole bad and A lot of these leaders, man, are yeah. just into all kinds of perversion. Yeah, I, I, that's something I think, Joe, we, we recognized really quickly. I, I think in terms of... Uh, you were obviously recognized it years before I did, but then when I got saved and we would talk, one of the things I would notice is when you would bring out, yeah, this guy's has some really false things on teaching. They had lived horrible lives yeah. ethically. I mean, Bob Jones, ugh. like I mean, you go down the Paul list. Paul Cain, homosexuality. Jones having girls. Crouch. Him, so the Holy Spirit wants me to see you naked. So you know, these are the leaders. These are false prophets. Under we didn't even talk about him, but under IHOP, International House of Praise. We're talking about Mike Bickle, Dominion Prayer, right? School, and, you're right? and it's a yeah. huge part of the Dominion movement. And he, he he's the one that gave such a high profile to some of these latter reign or former 
guys that are influenced by the latter rain movement. William Branham, go back to him, there oh. was sexual sin there. And a lot of that latter rain movement came out of there, but fringes of the latter rain movement taught this whole dominion movement. Todd Joel's, Bentley. Joel's Army, right, Bentley. But Paul Kane and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, Bob Jones, both of these guys were the two main prophets of the, prophets of the Kansas City prophets. And they prophesied you know, that there was gonna be this civil war as well. And that we're going to take dominion over the earth. And they both, one was a homosexual drunk, Paul Kane, the other one undressing women in his office, man. This yeah. is not from the Holy Spirit, guys. This movement is despicable and demonic. And you need to warn people. And the sad thing is, and the reason we get in the music and say, we won't play this kind of music in our fellowship, man. We won't pray, play Hillsong, Hillsong and, and Elevation and, and, and uh, Bethel music. But those three, there's three or four that dominate the landscape of Christian radio right now. And it's a monopoly. And it's not a coincidence, man, because it's a spiritual war. And there's a great quote. I don't, I can't I'll quote him verbatim, but uh, even Bill Johnson of Bethel said, "We use our music basically to bypass the brain and get beyond beyond the disturbance." He's basically saying uh, to get to people's emotions, and that's exactly what they're doing. No, it, it is it is crazy out there, guys. Some of the stuff that's that's going on. And and Bob Jones, he had a prophecy. Uh, that a number of people were espousing uh, and they were connecting it to the Asbury revival thing that took place. And uh, even Sean Foyt over there, where was he from? Oh, he, that's right. He's from Bethel. But isn't he on the front of the TPUSA faith page? Oh yeah, he is. Oh, isn't he connected with a number of these seven mountainers? Yes, he is indeed. And sadly enough, I saw really loving people that love Jesus and especially when everything was going on uh, you know, in 2020 with that whole cold that was going around and people were getting sick. I don't like to use the word because then we get our videos knocked down, Joe. Um, but but uh, I, I, I'm going to skip that because uh, we have a couple of questions. Well, before you get to a question, though, since you mentioned TPUSA, Charlie Kirk started it, right? Very conservative. Oh, he's in our corner thing. There's concerns, man. In 2020, uh, Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk, right? Uh, conservative Political Action Committee, his, you know, he's speaking at a CPAC, right? Which is big speech, right? Yep. He says, finally, we have a president. This is before Biden, of course. Finally, we have a president that understands the seven mountains of cultural influence. <laughs> well, that, you know stuff, what, Joe? Right? That leads it's us into a good place. question that we have on here. And I don't know where, to, where it went. Here it is. Uh, oh, uh, somebody was asking. I was trying to get your name, but somebody... Oh, there it is. Uh, Gideon uh, asks... Thoughts on Christian nationalism and how it ties to dominionism. Now, this is a really good question. And if you've been watching the live stream, I think you were. I did see you um, as uh, earlier on here as well. Did I get the? Did I, say, I said Gideon. Okay. Um, and it's really interesting because you know Joe and I have talked a lot about this, especially when you consider Christian nationalism alongside the NAR movement. And you see uh, some of the proponents of Christian nationalism, and he was talking about Rushdoony. And some of these guys, they will use some really. Uh, I, I get frustrated, I'm just going to be honest, because a number of them, when I see the way that they react to each other on Twitter and the way they talk about other people, it's almost like kids in high school are all around and they're all just talking giddy and making fun of Christians. They're literally mocking Christians. I watched a, a, a somebody having a conversation just last night where they were going back and forth and then someone got blocked and basically they're calling people simps and and uh, boomer theology and so forth. 
And it's an embarrassment. And I'll, and if I'm being honest with you, a number of these guys are just like little high school kids that now they have a chance to act like goofballs on Twitter. And it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, as a side note, when it comes to dominionism, absolutely it's connected. Uh, it is yeah. ultimately to me, when I see this, the reconstructionist, reconstructionist, kingdom now dominionist, when you see one on one side, this Christian nationalist group, which would be more on the reconstructionism group, and on the other side, you see the NAR kingdom now uh, dominionist group, they're, they're just birds of the same, they're flying together, and ultimately, they're going to eventually be co-belligerents together, they like to use that terminology, they'll be co-belligerents together to in order to enact this governmental control so that they can do things like I've heard them on podcasts, stamp out atheism and so forth. Um, the only stamping out that needs to happen is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, changing the hearts of people. And what we've realized, and if you haven't realized it through Catholicism, haven't realized it through when people have these controls of government, it doesn't do the thing in which it changes the heart from the inside out. It just doesn't do that. The gospel does that. And so I, I believe it has a huge, huge connection there. And ultimately, even though they, they're they part of the strange bedfellow statement, ultimately it's just two parts of the same wing going the same way, leading to the same place. Yeah, amen. Uh, Jesus said in John 18, 36, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight. But my kingdom is not from hence. He's not of this world. And the, the crazy thing is, is Ch Chad, this is one of the dangers. There's a lot of dangers. I have like 10 dangers written down, which I'm not going to get into all of them. But <laughs> one of the dangers is, is that we're no longer pilgrims and sojourners in the world. We're called out of the world, not to be part of the world system. Mm -hmm. We're called to be salt and light in the world. We're not called to these grand illusions that we're going to take over the world. And we're called to be, to be uh, pilgrims here, man. Right? We're not of this world. And and what's happened is believers now think this is the world and we're gonna take it for Christ and, and we're dominating. We're gonna no. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, then my servants would fight. And even the guy that authored the most popular book on Christian nationalism, so-called, uh, came out a few years back, admits at the very beginning of the book that he's no theologian. He does that's why I don't use scripture or says something along those lines, you know. Doesn't and use that much he doesn't have it, yeah. he doesn't use that much scripture because he doesn't have any scripture to use, guys. Uh, to, to, to take over, you know. So it is part of the Dominionist uh, movement, and it's really, really sad and heartbreaking. We need to pray for all these people because some of them will be rescued. If we, we pray, we cry out to the Lord and say, rescue the people being deceived in this mess. Many people come out of it, uh, you know. Uh, pray that, uh, that the leaders will repent, uh, and, and it would be beautiful to see more of these people come out of it and, 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 and join us in this fight against these end-time lies. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of the deception. And uh, I just want to encourage you also is these guys, you know what Jesus said over and over and over again through the Gospels? You guys know this. And it's so important. And Paul wrote about this throughout the epistles and so forth. We're supposed to be watching for Christ's coming. We're supposed to be watching for the signs of the times. We're supposed to be looking at what happens and we see these things start to really start to take place even more and more. Look up for your redemption draws near. Guess what? These guys aren't looking for Christ's coming. They're saying he can't come back. We have to take over the world. How are they obeying the scriptures about being watchful regarding the signs of the times? Well, well, we don't believe that's going to happen. Wait a minute. You don't believe there's going to, well, we don't believe in the great falling away. Jesus said there'd be a great falling away. Many would fall away. This is the great falling away, you guys. These are the signs. And it's going to get worse when the Antichrist appears, but this is all going on right now. The, the prelude to the coming of the Antichrist, all that stuff is being set up right now. Amen. And
And guys, that's why we're doing these conferences. Um, it's so nice. I mean, Joe, we've been uh, having just a nice crowd, and and you guys have been an absolute blessing uh, to 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 read read your comments on here as we're going. Uh, the Bible stands alone. Never saw this is this is really great. A lot of you guys, it's cool to have you on here. And and we were supposed to only go till six o'clock, but it seems like now we're doing live with Q and A. That all these are going really long, Joe. And I don't know if it's their fault or our our fault, but it's happening. Sure, it's a big part of my fault. <laughs> it's happening either way. It's a little bit of yours too. And man. oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to help out with that. I'm not but doing it's a good we job. We love you guys. We want you guys to hear the truth. No, and, and hey, Chad, I want to say something. Yeah, Some yeah of you guys yeah. came on late. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff we cover in the beginning. Oh, so amen. go back and listen to the beginning, so you get a real full understanding of the deception that's going on. No, that's a really good point. I, I do hope that you guys are, are checking that out. And also, as I mentioned already, you guys can check out all of our channel here. Make sure you're also not just subscribe to Good Fight Ministries. It is so important. You guys are getting to see these things. We get to do these lives. We get to have Q and A. We're trying to do a little bit more like this. So if you guys are on here, if it's your first time, there's a number of people like, "Hey, I just found you guys," or "This is my first time on a live." No, we're going to be doing this a little bit more, especially as we come up to a trip that we have coming up. But we we also want to let you guys know, not just here, go subscribe to, to Blessed Hope Chapel because when we do shows, we usually have half hour long shows. When you're watching Blessed Hope Chapel, you're getting an hour long message every single time that's just deeply embedded in the Word of God. And that's that's what we want. I know for, for Joe and myself... We love teaching on Good Fight Ministries and sharing what's going on, using what's going on in the culture, using what's going on in music, whatever it may be, to bring forth the gospel and to edify the body, Amen. to clean out and that pruning process of the things in your life so you can Amen. become more and more conformed in, into uh, the image of Christ. But we also want to make sure you know, hey, let's make sure we're all in the Word. I, I know Joe teaches twice a week. I'm blessed enough to teach twice a week as well. And it is so encouraging to to be with brothers and sisters in Christ who love the word. There's so many people on here that, hey, thanks, Jesus saves. Um, mm. <laughs> drinks of Tribulation Bible Study. Uh, praise the Lord, bro. Um, uh, even if we may disagree on that, it's nice to have you on here. Um, uh, Joanne wants to say thanks for um, making the Soldier Souls for Rock and Roll. You saved uh, her from a lot of satanic music. Joe, I can't tell you how many comments. Jesus I was in did, tears yeah. this morning reading them. I was taking screenshots from, I shared my testimony for 511 News instead of just going through the news. shared my testimony because we wanted to promote, um, they sold their souls. And man, how many people were writing, that's how I came to Christ. That's what, that that was Praise ultimately God. the thing. So thank you guys for that. You guys but, are blessing and us. And a follow up to that, let me share with the audience just briefly, guys. We get, since Chad said that, uh, we see thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ and they sold their souls for rock and roll. It's been such a powerful tool that Lord's used, but it's free right there. If you go to just goodfight.org, I'm saying this, so if you haven't seen it, check it out because it, but it's such a powerful tool. People tell me all the time still, I use that, I pass it out. I see people get saved when they watch that. Uh, pray, pray for the update that we're doing on that. But I want to encourage you, get people, you know, you can just go to goodfight.org and send it to people and say, check this out. To people that don't know Jesus or believers, people that know Jesus, but they just don't realize what's really going on because it's been used also to really strengthen believers. All of a sudden, whoa, this is real. I got to get right if they're not right with the Lord uh, and so forth. So use it as an evangelistic tool. I really encourage you to do that. This we is Chad guys. Davidson and Pastor Praise Lord for you guys. God bless you guys. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. 
To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.